Hello and welcome to the Sobre Mesa podcast. I'm your host, Alan Maguire, and I'm joined by Owen Gilmartin. Owen, you're not a guest anymore. You're a host as well. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I'm doing both. I'm putting both roles, I guess. Uh, this yeah, is something yeah, yeah. we had planned before, though, right? I mean, uh, well, I don't know, but Catalan Gate has been on the cars for a while, uh, and we wanted to record some of the last couple of weeks just both been busy yeah basically no yeah yeah we found a couple of hours this afternoon so yeah it's good before before the bank holiday yeah well before to, tomorrow uh well yes yeah, long san isidro here in madrid yeah are you going to, are you going to any of the events i think i'm going to uh what is it like there's concerts up around in the center this evening i'm gonna go go to a, a couple this evening uh no i'm well i'm uh, there's a, a consulta this weekend on Saturday. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. So, yeah, uh, tell us about that. Uh, yeah, so the consulta is it's not a referendum. So, uh, just to be clear, it's not a referendum. It's a consultation. Consultation. You don't want to get it. You don't want to get arrested. No, I don't want to get beaten. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, it happened about four years ago as well, and it's basically a poll. Um, but in person, um, so several groups get that. There's the, there's the assembly for the for a republic, for a republic, and they normally get together different groups, um, put a table out with a ballot box. There's no like regalia or there's no you know republican flags or anything, and people above the age of sixteen uh, that live in Spain are invited to vote whether they would prefer. A monarchy or a republic. Uh, so we're going to be out all day between, I think it's 12 and, no, 10 and 7. Uh, and it's going on throughout, throughout the whole of Spain. Uh, I think Leganes, where I live, we've got the most tables of any municipal area in the whole of Spain. We've got 15 tables out around the town. Uh, and it involves, yeah, Esquerra the the Communist Party, the Anti-Capitalistas, um and even mass, yeah i think uh, yeah i'm not i'm not sure but there's yeah different groups in different areas are doing it podemos yeah. are doing it as well um but it, re- it, re- it reminded it actually reminded me of something uh there's you know this famous interview with adolfo suarez not the the father of the, the the transition um in which he gave it he gave an interview a few years back before he died to to la sexta um uh, in which he's talking about the transition and then there's a, a famous moment in the interview which wasn't broadcast at the time but he he puts his hand over the mic and he he talks to the reporter and the quote the quote he gives when he's trying to cover the mic was uh, it was simple the majority of foreign government leaders requested that i hold a referendum about the choice between monarchy or a republic but I had I had polls conducted which indicated we lose. So at that point, I included the words king and monarchy in the in the uh, in the law and told them they'd already been submitted to a referendum. So the the Spanish that was sorry in, included the words king and monarchy in the in the constitutions. There was right. a there was a vote there was a vote <coughs> on the seventy eight constitution. Yeah, um, to approve. To approve a, a democratic transition or not, but there was never an explicit vote um, on the form of state whether it was going to be a republic or monarchy, and that was, uh, you know, that was an intentional move by by Suarez in, in, 
in 78. Uh, yeah. Which, I, you know, it's, you know, what, what, I mean, I, I always find the transition, the Spanish transition, of, you know, a fascinating, fascinating study in sort of uh, political management. I mean, really, the, the way this sort of democratization process was managed from above is, you know, it's a, it's a really a, a, an incredible, an incredible period to study in terms of, in terms of politics. And, and, and also like how the, the old sort of understanding of the transition went from like, it was a miracle because it was one of the first democratic transitions from a, a dictatorship to a democracy I think well, in it the was world, really, right? But well, uh, I think what was I didn't, then like the, I was, no, was, we need to be a bit more careful there. It was more, it was exceptional because it was one of the first, one, or one of the few examples of, until now where you had a democratic transition which was led by the the, the officials of the old regime. So that, I mean, right, that yeah. that's that's what was exceptional about the Spanish transition yeah, was that yeah. you didn't have. In Portugal, you the the state collapsed as such, you know, the dictatorship yeah, collapsed. Yeah. There was a the kernel revolt, etc. Uh, in Spain, you never had, yeah, you had a negotiated transition, which you know is is linked to what I think we're going to be talking about today, the Catalan Gate. Yeah, the role, well, in the sense that the role of these these state elites, you know, there was a certain continuity where you never had you never had this break. Now that's mm-hmm. not to say, you know, obviously you want to avoid. The other cliche, which is, you know, Spain is a fascist state. No, Spain yeah, is, of course, is a democratic state. But I think, I, and I do think, you know, we we shouldn't we shouldn't be squeamish about like trying to explain explain why why you have certain anom- anomalies around Spanish democracy in, in mm. these terms. Because you know, I think you can do the same, for example, with France or the United States. I mean, you know, in France, you have a very peculiar electoral system. I mean, which can only be explained by by talking about the, the formation of the Fifth Republic, the role of the Gaulle, etc. Mm. And I think you know the idea that you know we should just not not look at any of this and pretend you know Spain is a model democracy. I think is you know you have to avoid the two the two yeah. temptations. Spain is a fascist state. Spain is a consolidated democracy above reproach. I mean, I think between those those two extremes, there's you know a lot of a lot of space for for debate, I mean, yeah, but a lot of a lot, a lot history, of liberals, right? a lot of centrists don't 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 want to have that debate. Yeah, yeah. And, like, oh, and, uh, we've yeah. got to move on, and yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah, you always have to take history into account. Uh, but no, I mean, as well, uh, I think one of the fascinating things is how, in the last sort of five years, maybe even ten years, ten fifteen years, the tr- the whole sort of myth around the transition being this sort of miracle that 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 some people used to speak about is actually coming yeah. for a lot of uh coming for a lot of criticism but also yeah. as well like the idea that going from i think something that's quite powerful now is like that was the transition and then it over it's like we went from there's a famous saying isn't there? i can't remember who said it it's like one night they went to bed frankist the next morning yeah, they woke yeah, up yeah, democrats yeah. i can't yeah, remember that exactly but no, it's I, a good, it's, I, lo- I like it yeah but it's like uh no, but the transition is is um, it it's a process. It's not just a, a single event exactly. that happened in the past. Yeah. It's like yeah. a big process. And I suppose I mean, that's, I was, that's I mean, I was what some people don't want to hear, right? The, I was reading from the. I mean, you you've interviewed him on here before. Ah, yeah, but, uh, that quote comes from Sebastian Faber's book, uh, Exhuming Franco, which cool, obviously cool. yeah talks about Spain's second transition. You're right, like it, it is a process, um, and I think it's an interesting one in that sense because. 
it is also generational, I suppose. I think there is a generation which, you know, grew up around the midst of the transition and, you know, probably feel, you know, still feel great loyalty uh, to, you know, to those narratives, to the, to the ideas of, of that, that, that narrative of like the sort of model transition. Uh, and yeah, maybe people in the last, you know, growing up, the Kintayama, the Indignados generation, maybe don't feel quite as much, quite the same loyalty. Yeah, uh, so lo- as much loyalty to narrative. I mean, as yeah. well, like, it's, a, it's true, though. I mean, every country, right? Democracy is yeah. a, a process of, uh, you know, it's also almost dialectical in a sense that it's always a process. Like, it's always, you're always trying to make, democratize the state more or, or whatever. Exactly. And, and it, there's, I mean, I think that's the thing is, uh, you know, there are certain, you know, I think when we're talking about a lot of this, you know, the, you know there is, you can make very interesting comparisons with, you know, the United States, for exactly. example, That's in terms of the, yeah. the politicization of the judiciary or, you know, what we're <laughs> talking about today, the spying. I think you have to remember the CIA w- was caught um, spying on the, uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee, on like Diane Feinstein, who was one of the, the CIA's, you know, big champions within the, within the legislature. But it, she is, but she was being, you know, she was being spied on herself by the CIA. So, I mean, I think, you know, when we look the potential for these sort of state institutions to gain autonomy and escape democratic control, it's it's not a uniquely Spanish thing. Uh, mm. But sometimes to give explanations and try and understand the context, it's necessary to talk about a bit of history, you know, yeah. in the Spanish context as well. And I think in that sense, you know, we shouldn't feel afraid to talk about no. the transition or the legacy of, of Franco. Yeah. So what is Catalan Gate and who is it, who does it? That's a big question. What is Catalan Gate yeah. and who does it affect? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think I think it arguably can affect, you know affects um, everybody in Spain. You know, I think the implications are quite 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 serious in some ways. Um, but it more more concretely, um, I mean, I guess this has dominated Spanish news in the last like, three four weeks here, um, and I mean, it's it's. It's a it's a case of political espionage. You know, uh, 65, 65 Catalan leaders were were spied upon through uh, Pegasus spyware, the Israeli-made Pegasus spyware, um, which 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 is something you know it's it, it's a much more invasive form of surveillance than you know, for example, just tapping tapping your phone or something like that. No, it uh, it's it's you know it's a it's a malware which infects your your phone. Uh, copies and then exports all the data from your from your like phone. emails, Photos, calendar dates, all these sorts of things. Every everything, yeah. I mean, every interaction, every and messages. Message wow. Well. Yeah. Um, it also during during a period of time, I think normally a number of hours, maybe twenty four hours, maybe ten six hours. It, it takes control of your phone in terms of we can turn on your camera when it wants, or turn on your microphone, and so. This 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 case of political espionage deals with sixty five Catalan um, pro independence pro independence activists and politicians. And I think it's important to say it's not just it includes the last four Sp- uh, Catalan regional presidents, but it also includes some of their family members, their lawyers, uh, journalists, etc. You know, it's a, it is a wide range of people. Um, and I think particularly, for example, the case of of the journalists, of sorry, of the lawyers is, is very worrying because what you have is 
during during the the sedition trial of the pro-Catalan uh, independence leaders, um, four four of their four of their lawyers during this trial, you know, between 2018 2019, were 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 hacked. No, um, so they're you. During during the trial, when these people these these lawyers are representing um, the Catal- the twelve Catalan leaders on trial for, for sedition and other other charges, four of their leaders uh, were attacked with with Pegasus, um, and th- this raises huge you know huge questions because one of the questions uh, uh, related to to Catalan is is did they have judicial authorization? Did the judge the Supreme yeah. Court authorize <clears throat> this? This surveillance, this espionage, and you know, maybe so far they've admitted to you know a, a, a number of cases involving the main the main political leaders, uh, which maybe could have got justification. I think even then it, it's dubious. But when you're talking about the lawyers in a in a, in a high profile, already politicized trial, having their their phones been hacked by by the Spanish intelligence services. I mean, what what legal justification can, yeah. can you have? And it raises, I mean, it raises serious concerns around uh, client attorney confidentiality, the right the right to def- defense. I mean, was what what happened with the with the data from these phone the phones of these lawyers? Was it passed on to the prosecution? You know, like there's there's a whole lot of questions it raises. I mean, these are fundamental, you know, um, violations of very basic fundamental liberal democratic rights, um, which is also interesting because a lot, you know, a lot of people, because it, again, because it, it's involving Catalans, would prefer to to look the other way. In Madrid, I mean, that's the way the, the media portrayed it, right? I mean, I think the Spanish media, even from you know your most liberal El País all the way to your firebreezing ABC, have have really pushed the fact that. Because they're Catalan, and because because it's like it started about is it mid mid two thousand seventeen two thousand sixteen sort of time like the end of Rajoy's last uh, yeah. part of legislature, but also for Pedro the yeah. last two right. So no, exactly. No, I think it's it's important to say this is that the majority of the of the cases took place under under Sanchez. Yeah. Um, so it's and we can ask them. I mean the. The next question is how much did he know? I mean, he, he seemed to be pretty much out of the loop, um, and I think we can discuss that. But um, yeah, I think I think it began under under Rajoy. I think the very first case might have been 2015, but the right. vast majority the vast majority start from 2017 onwards. Yeah, um, and yeah, exactly. I mean, I think you're right. Like, uh, you know, um, Spanish liberals tend to to lose their democratic conscience when. When we start talking about the Catalan and Basque and, and, and Basque cases, no, and, and I think you know it's, I, I you know, I, I was talking for for the piece I wrote for Novara Media. I talked to a number of, of MPs and senators, and members of the European Parliament, and I think one of the the I talked to this uh, right uh, center right uh, Catalan MP, very you know very moderate center left liberal liberal economists, you know. Very much pro, you know what you would imagine, like you know, centre-right pro-establishment, you know, MP would would look like, and you know, yeah. etc. He, you know, he was one of the sixty-five people who was hacked. He was, uh, uh, 
at the at the time of of the hacking, which was in 2017, he was the mayor of his city in Catalonia. He's now a, a national MP, but he, you know, um, I mean, the idea that someone like that would, um, you know, causes or you know poses a risk to uh, national unity, right? Like you know, it's. Um, but one of the things, one of the things he was, you know, I, I, I initially just just met him in the corridors of the the Congreso with a with another with a with a Basque senator and was introduced to him. But he he had just come back from the uh, from the actual parliament and was was spitting angry because of you know the response the responses from parties like Ciudadanos and the other in particular like the supposed like Liberal Party in Spain. Um, and then the you know I think Fox went on and to say like oh we were hardly you know you weren't spied on enough you're only spied on a little type thing you know they you know basically justified it. Um, and implying that if they get into governments you know it could possibly be uh, expanded much further but um, sorry this yeah this Catalan MP was you know when I met him initially was very angry this you know but he explained to me that basically you know these people can't acknowledge what's actually happened. Because the implications of like actually acknowledging the gravity of the situation would, you know, would 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 require action. Would require, you know, you you end so you end up with all these bluffs, all this, you know, to try and just basically ignore ignore the central the central issue, which is you know very basic civil rights, not just of politicians, but again, as I said. Of, of lawyers, of lawyers, family, of members, family of journalists, members. of act, normal activists were, were were violated, and I mean, but I also, think you can be. I've been very critical of the Catalan independence movement in terms purely in terms of strategy. Like I think it's a legitimate position to hold, but I think some of their strategies have have been um, have been somewhat uh, naive. But you know, you don't. There's no justification for an entirely peaceful. I mean, that's the thing. It's an entirely peaceful uh, independence. It's not, you know, like uh, there was never, you know, it, there's just no justification for this, this type of uh, uh, surveillance, particularly of, you know, such a such mass surveillance, also, you know, yeah. uh, such broad broad based surveillance, and and for quite a long time as well, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think even during I mean, courts we, as well. I mean, during yeah. during. <laughs> Proceedings of uh, well, this is, I mean, this is meant to this be democratic is what, or meant to exactly. be based on the rule of law, right? Exactly. I mean, this is what um, this is what the, the two I talked to one member of the European Parliament and one national MP from the Esquerra Republicana, the, the Catalan uh, Centre Left Social Democratic Party. I mean, most most of the surveillance again against them happened while they were supporting. Pedro Sanchez's government, no, I mean, yeah. uh, they, you know, I mean, I think this, and this is maybe what we need to talk about is the fact that this, this wasn't a question necessarily of, I mean, it wasn't a question of government overreach in the first place when it comes to Sanchez. No, this was happening on his watch, but with, but not as a government policy. It was seen that this was happening, uh, you know, uh, you know, his, his. His allies in Parliament, on whom he depends for his parliamentary majority, were being spied upon by the state's um, intelligence services. You know, um, I mean, this whatever about 2017 at the height of the process when you had 
the you know the sort of hot Catalan autumn when they were having that pro-independence push. You had the referendum, you had the symbolic declaration of independence, but no no intention of ever trying to enforce it. Um, we're we're not even talking about that moment, which again was a completely peaceful uh, peaceful um, exercise exercise in uh, civic civic and political disobedience. Um, we're talking about 2019 when Esquerra had 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 made a strategic turn towards supporting uh, Sanchez uh, first in a minority administration, then in the in the coalition. I mean. Uh, but also more moderate in their approach towards the like towards exactly. the Spanish state. Uh, yeah, starting to yeah, sit I mean, down at the thing. table. Exactly. I mean, I talked. I one of the, the MEP who I talked to, uh, Jordi Soleil. Um, he was he took over from Oriol Yocaras, who was the, you know, who had been who had been the deputy prime minister of of, of Catalonia, and then was was convicted of sedition. Uh, in a you know highly politicized trial, but Jordi um, Soleil took over his uh, young Garris's seat in the European Parliament in I think it was June or July 2020. And so you had a situation in which you know this was during the current progressive coalition. Um, you know, in, in in the summer of 2020, he was he was being spied upon at that moment as the party negotiated young Garris's renouncing the seats and then who was going to take over so Owen, um i mean this is where we kind of bring up the the deep state i mean it sounds like a conspiracy theory but it isn't uh i mean it's something we've talked about a lot on this podcast before uh it's somewhat that uh was quite prominent in early podemos well like later podemos discourse of of, of pablo iglesias uh it's something that a lot of people are very very dismissive of like we were saying earlier you know with with regards to the transition uh but you actually spoke to to some different politicians about this um can you give us a bit of background uh, on, and, and there's an ongoing case as well right uh with Biajero, yeah. who, who you might want to explain who he is yeah i mean no it's true i mean well one of the politicians who i was i was speaking to um chema Guijaro, who's the head of the Spanish budgetary the commit um, the budget committee on the Spanish Parliament um, and a close ally of Yolanda Diaz. Um, I mean, you know, he said it's not even that deep a state. Like, you know, it's not. You know, we're not talking about deep throat. Well, maybe we are a little bit, but it's it's ha- a lot of it's happening pretty much in broad di- daylight. So, um, I mean, it is. I mean, yeah, I, I try to avoid the term deep deep state myself because it does give those images of yeah, you yeah. know, sort of yeah, conspiracy and paranoia or whatever. But it is, in a sense, you know, in, in Spain they talk about the the sewers of the state, you know, the, the cloacas. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it 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 touches on a certain paradox also because you know, I think when you look at Spanish society or even you know the current Spanish government, which is very progressive, you know, you Spain Spain. Over the last twenty years, we know first with Zapatero, now with Sanchez, has um, you know passed a, a lot of really good social, progressive social legislation. One of the first countries to pass equal marriage, um, you know, gender violence legislation. Um, you know, th- this week they're introducing uh, the, a, a new 
uh, abortion law and linked to that, Spain could now become the first country which will have um, sick leave um, due to specific sick leave due to uh, period pain. No? Mm. And so there is, I mean, it is interesting that you have, you know, you have, you know, very progressive movements, you know, feminist movements, et cetera. Um, and, you know, Spain is the only country with the radical left in, in government. But at the yeah. same time, at the same time, you're right that, um, again, this, I guess, it, I mean, in part, I mean, that's always the question. Part it goes back to the transition that you, that you, again, didn't have a clean break with the dictatorship. The old judicial, police, military elites continued there was a, you know, particularly in the military, there was, you know, uh, quite fundamental reforms, but a lot of the same people still stayed there, the same, with similar similar attitudes. And I think when we talk, when we talk about the, these sort of, you know, um, these state warriors as such, um, is that they, they, they believe the state belongs to them. And they also, I think we've seen over the last 10 years, attitudes, I mean, I think, when, when it came to the bar, you know, the conflict in the Basque country, I mean, you know, um, questions of rule of law, I mean, you know, wide scale police torture, et cetera, we show, you know, show the sort of um, the darker side of the Spanish state. But yeah. I think over the, over the last 10, 15 years, what we've had is uh, both in relation to Podemos the, the, and, and the wave of activism around Quinceyeme, um and the Catalan process, yeah. I mean, these a lot of these state actors, you know, in the upper echelons of the state, security forces and the judiciary, view view um, view view the Catalan, view Podemos, view left wing activism as 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 illegitimate. No, um, and this just isn't just like an attitude either, is it? I mean, this they actually set up. Uh, what was the police force called? They the Patriot yeah. Brigade, right? So this is like yeah. a concrete example that is still like going through court. I mean, it's very complicated and it doesn't get yes. a lot of. I think that's one of the reasons it doesn't get a lot of time on the news because it is quite a complex case. But uh, yeah, I mean, you have I mean, you have various elements here. No? So you have yeah, you have this sort of institu- wider institutional culture um, and state structures such as the you know the way that the monarchy is set up in spain as not as a sort of i mean as a sort of political institution i mean you yeah. know particularly particularly under juan carlos but then also with felipe después uh, after the uh, catalan referendum you know they t- they do take on a clear partisan uh, political role um but yeah it's very ideologically um, spanish right i mean it's and exactly, it's very spain yeah. not not plural spain but spain like but I think to give, I mean, just to give a couple of a couple of examples, what we're talking about here is, um, in particular, when it comes to the coalition, has been collusion basically between public prosecutors, security forces, and judges, Conser- right wing judges, you know, conservative public prosecutors. I mean, you can look at the way that the particularly the Supreme Court has been captured by a very intentional political strategy by the Pepe over the last fifteen years, stacking the court with judges. There is a certain analogy again with the U.S. in relation to that, the, the neocon strategy and Republican strategy in the U.S. But uh, with this particular, with the particular coalition governments at the moment, I mean, you know, I think there's probably less, there's less government ministers who haven't been subject to, you know, the com- bogus 
police investigations, judicial investigations that have that you know um, that have no you know. I think probably you know some of, some of the cases, for example, you have the ongoing nanny nanny case involving the equality minister Irene Montero, in which uh, based based on a very short video clip of one of her advisors holding her child, um, the right have concocted this this um, you know this sort of fake news story about she's employing one of her she's employing an advisor who gets public salary as a nanny. Uh, I mean, it's just it's ludicrous. Like you know. Uh, but then you have probably you know more serious cases in, in this in, in the sense of actual disloyalty of the police towards the state, which in particular the collusion around um, again the fake news story around um, the eighth of March protest in twenty twenty uh, and how you know the the police um, I mean the coalition had to fire the head of the Guardia Civil in Madrid. Yeah. For faking a police re- a police report, which was trying to bring down the Interior Minister uh, Marlaska. I mean, they, um, and there is a sense among among these right wing elements within the judiciary, within the police upper echelons of the police, within um, you know prosecutors, etc. Um, that you know this government is illegit- illegitimate, and it's there they have a duty as protectors of of the unity of spain as protectors of the state they have a duty to discipline this government and, and with some of them to even go further to bring down the government no? um and i think this you know um you know you can find you can find ex- similar examples in other countries you know we mentioned the united states etc um but you know i think if you want to try and understand why these things are happening in spain you do have to have that context um and i think it's you know again it's an interesting case now with the Catalan gate was that again you know as we were saying um, a lot of these people were you know our parliamentary allies of the government when this was happening um, hmm. and you know there was they had there's no judicial justification for for spying on these people either in 2019 or afterwards I mean you know it's uh, particularly in 2020 once you get into the coalition phase I mean. And what you have there again is, you know, this this program itself was set up under the previous head of the uh, CNI, you know, the intelligence services, um, who was a high, you know, a high level uh, army general, very close 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 friend to the king, who took on himself to, to uh, his name was Roldan, took on took on the duty to protect the king from scandals from corruption. Um, you know, who seemingly harassed the king's ex, ex-mistress, um, Karina, etc. He set up, he initially set up this spy program under Rajoy. Probably, you know, it's not clear. Probably some people in Rajoy's government knew, maybe not. So, you know, this, this special unit, which was set up, I think it's called like, yeah, the unit, the unit for for the defense of constitutional principles. No? So it was set up during the Rojoy years, um, initially to protect the monarchy um, from you know further corruption scandals, but soon turned to concentrate um, its investigations on the Catalan independence movement. And so the the head of the intelligence unit always come, has always come from the upper echelons of the military, except the well the I was going to say the current the current head she was fired on Monday. 
Um, but even even in her case, she was the first sort of civil servant who took um, who took control of the intelligence services. But her father, you know, again, she came from that background, that that milieu. You know, like her father was a high level military officer in the Francoist years. So you know, uh, you do have this sort of you know a certain cultural affinity. And it's, you know, it's it's not clear. Like maybe it's possible, for example, Sanchez's defense minister, who's probably the most conservative minister in the government, she might have known about, about some of some of this political espionage. But others, others, but Sanchez seemingly didn't. Uh, I mean, it just wouldn't make sense uh, I mean, for him to conduct this. But I, I I would just say it's like you have this situation which um, you know, Spain is now. Along with, along with Poland and Hungary, the only Euro- European Union country to, to have confirmed cases of uh, political espionage with Pegasus used against its own citizens. And I think, you know, that's, that's a very serious thing, which, uh, you know, um, even for people who, again, don't like to talk about, um, I don't, you know, questions of uh, judicial activism or, you know, the overstep of state institutions. I mean, it has to be addressed. It has to be explained. It doesn't seem to, to to have been a government policy. And Pedro, I mean, it came out that Pedro Sanchez and 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 his uh, exterior minister, exterior and interior minister, right, were all three victims of Pegasus, apparently. Yeah, I mean, this this is a question. I mean, it's not clear if it's related uh, to the surveillance of the of the Catalan and Basque right Basque uh, uh, figures. I mean, I think probably it's not. I mean, again, one of the one of the things you have to be critical about the coalition and Sanchez in particular is his handling of this whole crisis. I mean, it's been terrible, but I think it looks like that probably was was foreign and most likely Moroccan intelligence. Ah, okay, um, so this is a different like using the same software but a different case. You think? I mean, possibly. but it, it it is quite serious for two two reasons. One. It wasn't detected for over a year, and it was only wow. detected. They only they only subject they only subjected Sanchez's phone to uh, to analysis after this news was broke. The Catalan Gate news was broken, and you know, first via the New Yorker, etc. No, and it was discovered then in the last few weeks that this was his phone had been uh, had been hacked using using Pegasus. Um, but I mean, the second reason. This is serious as the fact that, you know, probably the most significant foreign policy decision he's made is to, in the last year, has been to, um, has been to, has been a wager on closer relations with Morocco at the expense, uh, at the expense of Western Sahara and Algeria. We talked about this in a previous episode, but, you know, you know, he's made this huge wager, closer relations with Morocco. um, And then, I mean, literally a few weeks later, um, after you know, the letter to the Moroccan king was announced, it, it turns out that most likely his um, his phone and other leading ministers' phones were hacked during the the, the crisis um, around Western Sahara this time this time last year. And I mean, like you say, managing has been quite poor. That the Catalans and and several other groups have asked for an investigation into this, but they just keep turning it down, right? It is difficult. I mean, I guess, you know, San- Sanchez's government, I mean, 
has has been subject, you know, just constant attacks from from these state institutions since since taking over in early 2020. You know, constant judicial harassment. We we haven't talked about Alberto Rodriguez, not a uh, Unidos Podemos MP, who you know, uh, yeah, who, who who lost who lost his seat because of um, you know completely bogus uh, claim that he 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 attacked a, um, a police officer. I mean, you know, there's just been a series a series a series of sort of um, of of crises generated by the, by by actors within the state um, against against the government. And I think where you can be critical of Sanchez is his his attitude seems to be to you know a, a desire to sue for for peace. That the only the only way of the only way of surviving as a government is to try and appease these actors. And it hasn't it hasn't worked. I mean, you know, these, you know, I think when we talk about Vox, I think Vox, you know, when we talk about the rise of the extreme right in Spain, you can't really separate the, the rise of Vox from, from this growing activism by these state actors. Because again, what links the two things is, things is a common culture. Most of Vox's leadership comes from the upper echelons of the state. They are ex-army generals, ex Police commissioners, yeah. ex judges, ex public prosecutors. No, I mean these yeah. are top, top government or top, top state officials who all former, all former PP employees, right? Well, that's okay. Yeah, it's true. But the majority, like you know, I think if we really want to understand what the specific, um, the specific nature of Vox as a far right phenomenon is, yeah. the fact that they come from the state. Yeah, and yeah. it in a sense they are the electoral representative of this reactionary culture within sections of the state. Again, like the Spanish state is plural. There are, you know, progressive judges, et cetera, as there is, you know, in the United States. Um, but Vox, Vox is, in a sense, the electoral expression of, of this reaction from within the state. Yeah. And, you know, it's, a, it's an anti-democratic reaction. Um, and the idea that you can oppose, you know, you can appease these people, like that you can appease uh figures figures who first of all yeah owe their you know when you're talking about judges etc owe their position to to the spanish right they got they got their judicial appointments via you know via very political process but also i mean these people don't see sanchez as a legitimate leader like a lot of um and yeah his his general attitude is one is one of appeasement is 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 uh, you know, to try and sue for peace, both, you know, I mean, you know, you can see this throughout. The only time, I guess, where he was forced to stand, take a stand was in relation to uh, Marlaska, the, the faked report. So I think one, on, on one level is that question, like he hasn't, he hasn't been willing to confront directly these, these actors. Secondly, a lot of the democratic reforms that are in the program for government, and this again is what a lot of the Catalan and Basque representatives who I talked to, this is what they were very critical of. So they signed up for this coalition for a series of reforms, you know, repealing the, the gag law. That still hasn't come about. Yeah. Um, it's on the cards, but it doesn't look like it's going to be a complete review. Um, you know, repealing the Franco-era Official Secrets Act. You know, it's incredible. Spain has a, a, a Secrets Act, you know, a Franco-era Secrets Act still in still in force. Um, 68, I think. It is, oh, it? I read somewhere. Yeah, 68, exactly. Um, you know, the democratic memory law. There's a, there was a whole series of, of, um, of reforms that 
they signed up to in, in exchange for supporting this government and they haven't so far you know so that's haven't so far materialized and i think you know obviously the coalition's had to deal with uh has had to deal with uh, the pandemic with you know the ukrainian war etc but um I think it's to see to see sort of democratic reform, particularly when you have these anti-democratic actors constantly attacking you. Seem to see democratic reform as something somehow secondary to sort of you know material bread and butter issues. I think you know is probably a mistake. Um, so I think there is there is a growing frustration. At the same time, as Gerard Republicana has quite a you know uh, realizes they. They can't bring the government down over this. They've had they've had one scalp at least the head of the intelligence services, but you know when you look at the polls and you look at the the strength of the right, the right, um, I think they they also realize it's not the moment. Yeah, ha- having 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 bets bets on a strategy of dialogue and engagement with with Sanchez, they they they're going to keep this. They don't they don't think it's the moment to. Um, it's a moment for noise, for you know, showing that they are angry and you know demanding, you know, certain um, certain things, but they're not going to bring the government down over. Yeah. No, and <clears throat> I mean that probably brings us on to well, not our next episode, but our future. We're going to do a future episode. There's Andalusian elections in June, right? Yeah, that's that's a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another another mess, you no, know, for um for the left in particular. Um they've got, you know, they they have their broad fun platform and I think hopefully hopefully we, we can move forward from there. And uh yeah. you know, it's the polls don't look great at, at the moment, but you know, the campaign hasn't even begun. So no, let's, no, let's, no, let's no, see yeah. let's see what happens. Yeah, I'm looking I'm looking forward to talking about that maybe in the future. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Uh it was like where it all began with Vox, right? I mean, that was where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, four years, years ago. ago yeah, 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 crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Jesus, um, long time. I hope you enjoyed that interview, and you can find many more interviews with other historians, sociologists, and academics that specialize in Spain in our back catalogue of around fifty episodes. Don't forget to like and share this. Um, episode if you can and if you're on apple leave us a comment and also subscribe to us on your favorite platform for podcasts to get updates of our up-and-coming shows we have quite a few planned please do share this uh, podcast with people that enjoy spain and want to see the country through a different light which isn't the typical sort of sun-soaked tourist sangria-based media that you find in a lot of the mainstream platforms. I hope you enjoyed the interview. See you next time.